Hello and welcome to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 126, where in a moment we discuss the idea of passing on your pension. That's in a second, as I say. But please bear in mind, if you have a general financial query, you're in the right place because we have an enormous resource of free advice right here. And you can access it all simply through delving into our back catalogue of shows. Because in our programmes to date, we featured loads of stuff. Mortgages, investing, wills and powers of attorney and heaps more. You name it, we've done it pretty much. And last time, we were joined by a guest, business coaching expert and author Stuart Mason for the show entitled Learn to Earn. Remember, we can drill down and focus on pretty much anything forensically. Find the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts, and you'll get us there. As I say, an enormous resource, all available for free. Find our previous shows after listening to this one and have a binge on what you need. Whilst you're there, if you could rate and review us, for instance, you could tell us what we need to address to help you out and follow the show. And in that way, you'll get that episode when we record it next time. I'm John Ellis. Joining me as always, the star of our show, Phil Anderson. Hi, Phil. Hi, John. How are you? Good, thank you. Okay, passing on your pension, the subject this weekend. I don't think it's something we've looked at before in our 125 previous episodes. I assume what you mean by this is leaving the contents of your pension pot in your will. Kind of. One thing you'll find with pensions is they can often be subject to quite complex rules. And it's easy to assume that passing on the pension you are meaning through through a will. But there can be several ways that you can pass on a pension. And the good news is that some of these ways will, will save tax and also it can help your beneficiaries get the money quicker as well. So we'll cover that sort of things as we go through the, the show today. But it's a question I get asked quite a lot. It's like, what happens to my pension when I die? So I was like, that, that's what we'll cover in today's show. Pension savings account for more than 40% of the total wealth in the UK. Wow. So for many individuals, their pension pot could even be a greater value than, say, the, the value of their home. So, but despite this, people, they, they appear to pay more attention to what happens with their non-pension assets on death rather than what happens to their, their pension. So again, it's part of the today we'll cover wills, but we, we can also cover how like someone's pension can provide for their family as well. Okay, so what does happen to your pension when you die then, Phil? You've got a couple of different types of pension, so it all depends on what type of pension you've got. It also depends on things like your, your age. So there, there's a number of different factors. But if I look at a couple of the, the different types of pensions, you've got what's called a defined benefit pension scheme. And you've also got a defined contribution pension scheme. Now, start off with the, the defined benefit scheme. That's one that's like a, a final salary pensions. They, they often sort of come under that. People who've got like local authority pensions, NHS pensions, they'll often be these sort of like final salary schemes or maybe career earning schemes. There's a, a lot of different ones. But if you've got one of these schemes, if you die before you've retired and taken the benefits of the pension, then usually the pension scheme will pay out some sort of lump sum benefit. This can vary a lot depending on the, the employer and the, the actual scheme that they've got. But usually it'll tend to be a multiple of someone's earnings. So, for example, the, the death benefits, if you die before retirement, they might pay out, say, four times your annual salary, that sort of thing. Um, but any payment like that is made, it's paid out tax-free. 
if you're in a defined benefit pension and getting an income from the plan, then what then happens is if you die, they usually pay out what's called a survivor's pension. So this often goes to a surviving spouse, civil partner or dependent child. This payment is taxable and it's taxed at someone's marginal rate of, of income tax. The, the amount that they get depends on the scheme rules, but usually it would be a percentage of, of what you were getting. So it might pay out 100% to you when you're still alive. And then once you die, it might then pay, say, 50% out to your your spouse or, or partner at that point in time. So it all depends on the, the scheme rules. What, one question that comes up quite a lot as well, I mean, I, I mentioned about defined benefit schemes and defined contribution schemes, but what, one question I get asked quite a lot is what happens to my state pension if I die? So what, one thing there, it's possible to pass on your state pension payments after your death, but this can only go to your spouse or civil partner. The main pension rules governing state pension on death, it, it's whether you reach the state pension age before or after there was changes came in effect 6th of April 2016. So this depends on, on what happens there. But if, if you reach state pension age before the 6th of April 2016 and receive the basic state pension, your spouse or civil partner can claim your additional state pension. Um, and that's based on your national insurance contributions records. In some instances, it may be possible to pass on a state pension lump sum on death and your spouse or civil partner could qualify for bereavement payments as well. So it's worth looking into that if, if someone has died and, and they were getting the state pension to see if there's anything that you can get there. If you reach the state pension age after the 6th of April 2016 and receive the new state pension, your spouse or civil partner may be able to inherit an extra payment on a top up of your pension. So there's that to, to note as well. If you've got a defined contribution pension, we'll kind of cover that a little bit later on in the, the show. So basically answer your question, what happens to your pension when you die? It all depends on what type of pension you've mm. you've got really. Yeah, and you mentioned a little bit about tax there. You know what they say, um, the only thing certain in life are, are death and taxes. Does your pension or, or what kind of pension, I guess, is, is more accurate, get taxed when you die? And if so, how exactly? Yeah, it can do. I mean, it, it can be that your, your pension gets taxed on death. However, there are steps that you can take to avoid that in certain circumstances. And again, that's something we'll kind of cover as we, we go on through the, the show as well. But it all depends on someone's age when they die as to what the tax position is on things. And also it depends if you've taken any benefits from your pension as well. But again, we'll, we'll probably cover these things as we, we go through the show today. Okay, what about inheritance tax upon death, Phil? Does your pension get caught up in that? In in some cases, it can. This is an area that a financial advisor can really help with. They can look at the type of pension you have, and they can also look at ways in which things can be set up to try and avoid inheritance tax. And again, that's something we'll, we'll touch on a few moments as well. One thing to note is that tax positions can change. I know recently it's been in the news the Institute for Fiscal Studies, they recently had a, a report that came out and they stated in that that they felt that the death benefits on pensions were too generous. 
Now, what we may find is that the, there's a budget coming up, not, not all that far away, but the, the Institute for Fiscal Studies, they've recommended that pension pots should be included in the value of someone's estate for the purposes of inheritance tax. So it'll be interesting to see if the Chancellor changes anything at the next budget. So we'll, we'll that, that's one thing I would say with all of this, they, these podcasts are kind of relevant at the time they're recorded, mm. but sometimes things will change in, in the future. So it's always important to, to keep an eye out for that as well. The Chancellor of the Exchequer, as we record anyway, is Jeremy Hunt. I always think he lives in some sort of alternate reality because when he wants to be in the press, he's absolutely everywhere. And then the rest of the time you're looking for him, nobody can find him. It's like he's, he's stepped into a different universe. Now, one of the words I always remember being associated with pensions is annuity. Maybe you could recap what one of those is exactly and then how it might be affected in this specific circumstance. Yeah, years ago, people used to use their pension pots to, to purchase what was called an annuity. And basically, what, what would happen there is you would build up your sum of money, you would then take that pot, give it to, to a company, usually the insurance companies, they would then use that money to pay an income for, for the rest of your life. Now, there. If, if you died soon after taking out an annuity, it wouldn't be really great value. If you lived for a long time, then you would get a lot more back. But annuities, they're not so popular these days. I mean, some people still do have them and, and some people will still take them out. There was a thing came in a while back called pension freedoms. And since then, a lot more people do what's called drawdown where they leave their pension pot invested. Whereas with an annuity, you take your pension pot, give it to a provider, and they guarantee you to pay an income for the, the rest of your life. So the, the amount that pays out when you die with an annuity is all dependent on how the annuity was set up at the start. Many annuities, you, you could include what was called, for example, a 10-year a guarantee period. Um, so what, what would happen there was that if you took out an annuity, it had a 10-year guarantee period. Let's say you died a year into having had the pension, it would continue to pay out for the full amount for another nine years after that. So I, I used to, when I was doing annuities, I used to always include a 10-year guarantee period because the cost of having it was was next to nothing because the insurance companies expected you to kind of live that period of time. Whereas if you took an annuity out with no death or no benefits attached to it at all, if you died, that money then just basically went to the, the insurance company mm. at that point in time. Annuities also allowed you to include things like a spouse's pension. So if you died, you could elect a certain percentage. It could be like 100%, 75 50 was always quite a, a popular figure with, with a lot of people. So they, you would choose a certain percentage that that would go to your spouse or, or partner until they died. So that's kind of what would happen with, with annuities if, if someone was to die. Just on, on the subject of annuities, and I probably asked this before, you're talking about that that guarantee for the 10 years, Phil. Would that be subject, I mean, as you're getting closer to pension age, would that be subject to some sort of health check? And, and they might have like, I can't think of the, the actual the, the term, but you know, in the instance that you pop your clogs of cancer because it's prevalent in your family, then we won't pay yeah, some. It. Some pensions, when it comes to annuities, if, if you were in poorer health, you could get what was called an enhanced annuity. So the, the companies would look at your health and they might say, right, normally we would give you this amount, but because your health's not so good, you've had a heart attack, you've got diabetes, we expect you to live less. So they would then pay out an enhanced annuity so you would get more each month. Right. And again, if that had a guarantee in it, that person would get that 
full amount paid out there as well. Another thing with, with pensions, with, with annuities, we, we don't see so many people doing them now, but for, for some people, they just want a guaranteed income in retirement. So so it can be quite important, but the, the death benefits with drawdown are better. So again, that influences a lot of people where, where they'll say, look, we'd rather go down this sort of route. It's, it's quite com- not complicated, but there's a lot of different options. So that's why I often say it's good to sit and speak to a financial advisor. They can go through all of that sort of things. Another thing that's just came to my mind as well with, with pensions is if you have got a pension pot and you're diagnosed with, say, a terminal illness, a lot of providers will have like an ill health payment. So they, they may allow you to access the pot early or take some of it out. So again, if, if someone was in that position, at least they've got money that can help them like in the last days of their life to either enjoy it or get medical treatment. So there, there's sometimes options there for that as okay. well. Our circumstances change all the time, as you highlighted beautifully there. And that, that can mean you might want to change who receives the contents of your pension. How do you go about that? Is it simply a case of changing your will? Well, I always recommend that, well, one, that someone should have a will, but also making sure that it's kept up to date as well. So that that is important. We know personal circumstances change all the time and, and in different ways as well. Sometimes it can be getting married, divorced, having children or even grandchildren. So people's circumstances never stay the the same. Whenever these kind of life events happen, it's important your pension beneficiaries are up to date. So whoever is paying out the money, they know who you would like to pass on your pension to after you're gone. So I would say as well as keeping your will up to date, you also want to make sure that any nomination of beneficiary forms are kept up to date as well. Okay, nomination of beneficiary. Why do I never remember these? Nomination of beneficiary forms. I'm assuming, along with everything else, this is something a financial advisor can can sort of help you and steer you in the right direction with. It is. I mean, some some companies like Royal London. We we do a lot of pensions in in the office with them. They they've actually now got an app, and that lets you view or add beneficiaries just at the touch of a button mm. using their mobile app. So technology's moving on all the time. So. For some people, they'll go on and, and update it and do it themselves, but it is a, something that a, a financial advisor can help people with as well. And you, you'll find, I mean, your, your pension, probably one of the most valuable assets that you'll ever have. Nobody likes to think about what will happen when they die, but when it comes to your pension, it's important you tell your pension provider what you'd like to do with your savings when you're gone. If you've got a personal pension or or defined contribution pension, so earlier in the show we were mentioning about the the defined benefit pensions and final salary schemes. So a a lot of people now will have a workplace pension, personal pension, and these are, are what's called defined contribution pensions. Now, if you've got one of these, You've got a couple of different options when it comes to to sort of like the death benefits. Usually you would fill in this nomination of beneficiary form. And one option, so so kind of option one is that when you die, you can leave it at the discretion of the scheme administrator. Now, you can still name the beneficiaries, but it's at their discretion as to who they pay it to. So again, if, if you had a change of circumstances, they might say, well, originally you were leaving it to this person or that person, but let's say you were now got divorced and you'd I'm married again, husband or wife in yeah. there. They might then say, well, that was originally what you wanted, but we can put it to whoever we, it's at their discretion. Mm. Although you do nominate who you would like it to, to go to. Now, with, with that option, 
the Scream administrator, they would look to follow your wishes if it was appropriate to do so. The good thing with this option is that the money wouldn't normally be subject to inheritance tax. And, and also another good thing there is you can actually change. So if you nominated right this person and that person, you can actually change that at any time as well. So with option one, you leave it to the scheme administrators. You still nominate who you would like to, to receive the money, but ultimately the, the end decision is with them. There would need to be a really good reason why they wouldn't leave it to who you wanted it to, to go to, to be honest. But the major benefit of that, no inheritance tax to, to pay in that circumstances. With the option where the money is paid out at your discretion, so the, the second option is that you name and say, right, I want this person to receive 100% of my pension when I die or this person to receive 50%, somebody else to receive 50%. If you do that yourself, they've got, the pension provider's got to follow your exact wishes with, with kind of like the second option there. Again, you can't change the beneficiaries at any time. And again, with that, you've, I mentioned the first option where the scheme administrator chooses. You can, in the future, change from the second option to the first option mm. as well. So it, it all probably sounds more complicated than it is. <laughs> and, you know, it, it's probably something that is easier not to explain to somebody when it's written down. Probably doesn't come across as good on a, a podcast as it does if it's on a, a written document. But with, with defined contribution pensions... Once you've started drawing the benefits, the amount paid out on death depends on your age. So if you die before age 75 and you're in what's called drawdown, the value of your pension pot is usually paid out to the beneficiaries as a tax-free amount at that point in time. If you're in drawdown and you die after your 75th birthday, your beneficiaries, they need to pay tax on the money that is left behind. Now, they can choose to take the monies as a lump sum or they can take it as an income and the amount of tax they'll pay will depend on what route that they go down. So I would say for any in that position, it'd be good for them to take financial advice at that point to see what kind of suits them best at that stage. Presumably though, Phil, if they're taking it in a sort of annual basis, then there's they're going to get taxed less? Yeah, the percentage yeah. is less. If, if you take it as a lump sum, you, you'll pay a higher percentage on, on the tax. And again, one thing I would say is, like the rule, that's the rules as it is at the minute. Things can change in, mm. in the future as well. But yeah, they, if you take it as a lump sum, you pay a higher amount of tax than if you're taking it as a, an income. Now, the one thing that you said earlier that sounded really, really easy to me was the idea of adding beneficiaries at the top of an app. What it actually made me think of was my kids hacking my phone and just, you know, getting in there going, tap, <laughs> add, <laughs> add. But it raises a, a, a question, and that is what happens if minors are the beneficiaries of your pension? Any complications when it's kids receiving the funds? Yeah, where, where a minor is nominated as a beneficiary, it'll be their legal guardian, typically the parents. They'll, they'll have control of the funds for the child's sole use and benefit until they have what's called legal capacity. Now, in Scotland, that's at age 16. The rest of the UK um, is age 18. Now, it may be that you might still have concerns that at that age, someone's still too young to have access to that sort of... But could sometimes be significant amounts of money. In this case, what happens there is you might consider nominating a lump sum to what's called a bypass trust or a trust deed created in the will. So again, there are options that you can look at kind of for kind of children as well. 
Okay, so what what do we need to do regarding our pensions? If we've never tackled this before, Phil, and, and how do we go about it? Yeah, I mean, I, I always say speak to your financial advisor if you've got one, because they can look at what you have, show you how they can help, they can explain about all the sort of death benefits and, and ins and outs. But I would always say to people, if you've got, for example, a, a per- well, whether it's a, a defined contribution or a defined benefit pension, contact who the pension's with and just make sure that you have nominated someone or it can be more than one person as well. I mean, if you've got 10 grandchildren and what leave 10% of your pension pot to, to each of them, but that's the sort of thing that can be done as well. So it's just making sure that you've addressed it and, and looked at things. Okay, and just recap everything we need to have on that tick sheet for, for passing on our pensions effectively. Yeah, I'd say the, the first thing is to make sure your will's up to date. Also make sure that your, your pension provider's aware of, of who you want to inherit your pensions. Make sure that this is kept up to date as well. So it's something, as I say, that you, you might want to change over time. I mean, if, if you'd left... If you were leaving something to, to someone and they passed away, you might then think, right, and I want to leave it to, to someone else. That'd be an example of like a change that you'd, you'd want to make. And as I say, keep an eye out for any possible changes. I mean, the, there's rumours going about, there's always rumours before any budget saying, oh, the Chancellor might change mm. this or might change that. And again, that, that's where it's good to take ongoing financial advice. I, I often say to people, it's like most financial advisors will offer you like not just a transactional service, but a lot of them will do like what's called ongoing advice. So should anything change, like a budget, for example, regarding pensions or, or other financial matters, your financial advisor will keep you up to date with, with all of that things as well. It wouldn't surprise me if, if things changed at some point in time because the government's always looking for ways to to increase their kind of tax receipts and, and the fact that a lot of pensions will be passed on without for example, inheritance tax, it's often something you think, well, at some point, will they they can address that? There's always rumours as well. It's like, will they get rid of the higher rate tax relief for higher earnings on pensions? And up till now, they've never done it. So it'll be interesting to see how things go at the next budget. Mm. Whenever you whenever you hear a leak and you think, oh, crikey, I wonder who leaked that. It's usually them to see how things taste, you know, how they sit mm-hmm. in the water just before a budget. Now, in a moment, we'll, we'll get Phil's quote of the week, which I, I always enjoy. But first, it's a look at Phil's own life and how this week's particular topic has impacted him throughout the year. So, Phil, this week, passing on your pension, what have you got in that? Yeah, I, I remember seeing clients quite a number of years ago now, and the chap had about £200,000 in his pension pot, and between him and his wife, they, they had about the same amount again in ISAs, which is individual savings accounts. So they had about 200 grand in pensions, 200 grand in ISAs. And once he stopped work, they, they came to this and they said, look, I want to take an income from my pension. But instead of doing that, we, we kind of said to him, it's like, look, you don't need to draw money out of your pension. What we can do initially is we, we recommended drawing money out of the ISAs. And the good thing with that is that if he draws money out of his pension as an income, it's taxable. Whereas the income from the ISAs wasn't taxable. So saved about a bit of like tax each month. It also meant that if he died before the age of 75, all of his pension pot would then have passed to his family without any inheritance tax having been paid. So taking the money out of ISAs, it saved him like, well, kept his pension more intact for the death benefits, but also taking money out of the ISAs, it also reduced that money from his inheritance tax liability 
as well. So that, that was just a good example of why it's good to sit down with a financial advisor to review things because sometimes you just automatically think, well, all right, my pension will give me an income, but it might be that if you have other monies, might be more beneficial to you. But again, everybody's circumstances is different, and that's why it's good to take kind of tailored financial advice for your own circumstances. Absolutely. And and now time for Phil's quote of the week. Now, I know you're a fan of inspirational quotes, Phil, an avid collector of them. So what have you got to suit our topic this week on passing on your pension? This one's from someone called Catherine Pulsifier. Retirement may be an ending, a closing, but it's also a new beginning. Ah, now Phil is really keen on trying to help you with your query. So if ever you want to email a question to us, please do. And as always, we can ask him anonymously if you wish. Let's get on to this week's contact details coming up. I'll give it to you after these. Hi, Phil. Have you ever done a show on car finance? I'm trying to decide whether I should buy a car for my business. And if so, how exactly or whether it makes more sense to lease. We've done one on car finance, I think. We, we did. Way back, I had to go and look up this one, but way back in September 2021, wow. we did an episode called Buying and Running a Car. Now, in, in that episode, we looked at the various finance options that was available. We discussed shopping around for, for the best kind of finance deals. In that show as well, we also looked at the various costs and running a car and looked at ways you can reduce your motoring costs as well. So that one was way back September, 2021. I cannot remember what the actual episode number mm-hmm. was now, but it was quite a, uh, quite a while back. So you need to scroll down the, the list to, to find that one. Next up, here's one from Kirstie in Inverness who wants to know about property rental. She says, hi Phil, I've recently switched areas to relocate for a job. I've sold my home and I'm preparing to move but may rent for a while in the new area until I can decide where I want to focus my property search for buying. Do you expect the rental prices to increase by much in the next year or is now an especially good time to buy? Because I can always change and don't want to miss an opportunity or get caught out by a pitfall. I I do expect rent prices to rise. Property prices for buying, it's harder to tell. I mean, in some areas we've seen prices come down a bit because interest rates have, have gone up. But in, in Scotland at the moment, there's a rent freeze, but that's only for existing tenants. So if someone's taken out a new tenancy, the likelihood is they could probably expect to, to pay more. And the reason why we're seeing that is that landlords have, because interest rates have been going up, if someone's got a buy-to-let mortgage, they're paying more for it. So that's when you might find that these sort of rate interest rate increases will probably get passed on to those leasing a, a new property. It all comes down to supply and demand as well. I, I heard a story just the, the other week, somebody who had a buy-to-let mortgage, interest-only mortgage, their payment's gone up by about £200 a month because the interest rates have, have gone up, but their rent had, had been coming down over time as well. So they were actually now at the point where they were actually having to pay money to keep this property rather than actually making a profit off of it each month. So we are finding some landlords are even now saying, right, I want to sell my property. And I suppose it's all down to supply and demand, whether it's for leased properties or, or buying. So it'll be interesting to see how it, it goes the, the rest of the year. Would you say as well, before you get in touch with a question, you might want to take a look at our back catalogue because we've covered a lot of topics now and we may have touched on what you're interested in. I'm Joe Mellis. Thank you for joining us for episode 126 of the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. If you feel you need a helping hand with anything we've been discussing or anything else of a monetary matter, find Phil 
for finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or join the Facebook group for the show. Search Personal Finance Community. That's Personal Finance Community on Facebook. Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn as well, or why not email Phil a question you can answer on a future show. His address is phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send him your question, and as I say, Phil could be answering it in an upcoming podcast. And please be assured we won't use your real name if that's how you prefer it. Remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us, and please follow us on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. That way you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it. You'll get all the links you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to help make that cash go further. We'll see you next time, and thanks for listening. Thanks very much, John. I was going to say as well, when I was looking for the quote of the week, I came across this. What do you call someone who's happy on a Monday? Retired. (laughs) Nice end. Thank you. Thanks, John. Thanks, John.